The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 27 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the membership director of Wealth Builders, and today we are doing something slightly different. So I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Chris. But I'm also joined by a very special guest today, Mr. Simon Zucci. Hi, Christian. Hey, Simon. Simon, you're the founder of the Property Investor Network, author of Property Magic. Indeed, yes. We've got together today and we thought we'd take this opportunity, just have a bit more of a discussion around the property pillar. Some of the things that are happening currently in the markets, and um, I'm going to hand it over to you guys to actually just have a, a really relaxed conversation today about property. And um, well, let me do that. Hand it over to you right now. All right, Thank well, you. Cheers, Chris and Simon. Thanks for coming down to London. My pleasure. Really appreciate you taking the time, and we've got some great surroundings around us. Yeah, it's a lovely location here. Well, it's great. Yeah, but, you know, but there's lots of things going on in the world right now, and probably the. The hottest topic on everybody's lips, if they're not completely bored, rigid with it, Simon, already, is that B word, uh, the old Brexit word. So, Indeed. you know, why would anybody bother with property, given all the uncertainty of Brexit and Boris this or Boris that? Yeah. Uh, what, what's, why, why not just wait? Well, whenever you invest in anything, you obviously need to do your research. And I think one of the things you need to look at is fundamentals. So the UK is uh, quite a special market when it comes to property for a number of reasons. First of all, um, generally the population has a love and a fascination for property. In the UK, many people aspire to be property owners uh, just for their own home and yeah. also for investment as well. So that's something that's in our blood, I think, and different to many European countries where maybe renting is the more uh, accepted um, standard. Absolutely. So ownership's a, a big thing here. Then also, I think you need to look at demographics. And if you look at the population in the UK, um, even if when Brexit finally comes, if it does, and the UK leaves the European Union, um, if we pulled up the drawbridge, flooded the tunnel, and nobody else came into the UK, we would still have an increasing population. And that's due to increasing birth rate and longer life expectancy. We're all living longer because we're all healthier generally. And so with an increasing population and yet a limited supply of accommodation, that means over the long term, property prices and also rent for property should continue to go up. Yeah, that's a fundamental. So that's a fundamental which no one can argue with. What people don't know is what effect will Brexit have on the economy? Uh, We've already seen the disastrous effect it's had on the pound. Um, so, in fact, um, we, I mean, we're sitting in, in London at the moment. Um, London, when Brexit was first announced, when they did a reference, they were going to leave, you know, the pound was low. And um, actually, a lot of European people and some Americans flooded into London to buy property because property at the time was cheap because a lot of people were nervous and were selling. Yeah. And also, the currency was very low. So, London was on sale. And you could also say, actually, now, because the last year or so, London prices have come down. And that always happens. For the last 10 years, we've had a very strong rally in prices. We had the crash in 2008, 2009, yeah. around the whole country. London, because the high demand here has, has absolutely boomed. Um, and when things boom, they always slow down and they come down. We're we getting a market correction anyway at the moment. And in fact, it's probably happening more in London than it is the rest of the country. Some rest of the country is, is still doing well. Birmingham, where I live, is, is still doing very well. 
But what's actually going to happen when we leave? Now, the, what, if we look, think about fundamentals, supply and demand, one thing that has absolutely happened, and because we have the Property Investors Network, we have 50 meetings around the country, I'm in a slightly unique position. I have my ear to the ground. I know what's happening at grassroots level at 50 locations around the country. And um, what we're hearing is that there are a number of people who might have HMOs, houses of multiple occupation, and maybe some of the tents might have been foreign workers. And, and we know for a fact that a number of foreign workers have left the UK already. Um, and, but that effect has already happened. And the UK government's made it very clear that they don't want to get rid of people. They don't want to send people back home. And, and actually, there are many Europeans who are here ensconced in society. They've got great jobs. They've got families, you know, and they're settled and they want to stay. Yeah. And I think the UK government doesn't really want all the English people coming back from Europe into England anyway. So, so that's that kind of status quo. And uh, so I think that actually... Um, in terms of property, yes, we're seeing a dip. And a lot of people are saying, well, because we don't know what's going to happen, let's wait until we know what's going to happen. The thing is, even when we leave, it probably will take a couple of years to see the true impact and understand the significance of the UK leaving the European Union after so many years. So is someone going to stand back and wait until two years, three years' time? Who knows when we've seen all the consequences? Now, interestingly... Whenever there is uncertainty in the market, which it absolutely is right now, and many people are waiting, that actually presents massive opportunity. And the reason is this. In any market, you always have some people buying and some people selling. At the moment, there are not as many people buying because of the uncertainty, and people are waiting to see what happens. But you've got all the people who would normally sell still need to sell. And we have the impact of clause or section 24 which came in April 2017 which was the change in the way the government tax property investors. Now generally property investors historically um, if they're holding long term they buy in their own name and that was more tax efficient but because of section 24 if someone owns property in their own name and if they are a higher rate taxpayer the reality is they're going to start paying more tax and the 1.75 million landlords I don't think probably at least a million of them, really realised the consequence of that until January this year, when was the first tax return that was related to the 17-18 tax year. And they thought, hang on a minute, I'm paying more tax. Why is that? I've done the same amount of work. I've had the same amount. How come I'm paying more tax? And the accountant said, oh, by the way, that's Section 24, and it's going to get worse for the next three tax returns. And so we, at grassroots level, all the PIN meetings, we're seeing more and more long-term landlords who might have been investing 15, 20 years. Yeah. And their exit, Kevin, was at some point to sell their portfolio and retire on a big part of money. We're seeing a lot of people are thinking about bringing that decision forward because otherwise they're going to be paying a lot more extra tax over the next few years. So what that means is, I would suggest there's actually an increase in property coming to the market for sale. So we've got maybe a reduced demand. We've got an increased supply, which means that's why London prices have come down a bit. And also, it's, I think it's going to happen in other parts of the country. So actually, for those of us who know what we're doing, it's a great buying opportunity. But you make the big point there that those of us who know what we're doing. So the essence of all of this is good education, isn't it? And that's what as we all... as we both agree, <laughs> uh, it is that's very fortunate for me. Obviously, as I teach people how to be successful investors, but I know I know you're a, a great fan of education anyway. And um, yes, you do need to watch it. Any idiot can go and buy a property. The problem is many idiots do go and buy property. Yeah. Uh, You've got to buy the right property. You've got to buy the right area. You've got to make sure it stacks up, gives you... I mean, in my book, we talk about um, the five golden rules. 
Rule number three is we only ever buy a property that makes cash flow because it's then an asset. If, yeah. it, if it doesn't make you cash flow, it's a liability and, and could cause you problems. And a lot of people say, well, okay, Simon, I get what you're saying, but wouldn't it be sensible to wait? Wait until the market hits the bottom. And then when it hits the bottom, then come in and buy the property. And it's kind of a bit like a philosophy people would take from the stock market, where yeah, theoretically exactly. you, you buy low and sell high. And that's great in theory. But I would say to you, Kevin, I don't know about you, I have no idea when it's going to hit the bottom. My crystal ball's broken. Exactly. Same here. Yeah. And, and the problem is, once it has hit the bottom and everybody thinks it's coming back up, sellers are far less likely to give you a discount because they've got the expectation that someone will come along and pay more for their property because everyone feels priced to go up. Now, because there's a massive uncertainty, actually now you can probably use that to negotiate a good discount. And there is a chance that you might buy something in the next six months and the following year or so, it might come down in value. Now, that's a problem if you're buying and then trying to flip and sell on, but that's not a good strategy for falling market. As long as you're holding for long term, which, by the way, is golden rule number four in the five golden rules, you know, buy and hold for long term. That's how you create the real wealth creation. As long as you've got that positive cash flow coming through and you can afford to hold it, there's not a problem. Well, you talk about golden rules, Simon. I think it's going to make sense for me to suggest that everybody gets a pro- copy of Property Magic because there's no point just learning two of the golden rules. Well, I'll tell you the other... some golden rules. Well, they should absolutely go and buy that. I'll tell you the other ones very quickly. So golden rule number one is... We always want to work with motivated sellers. That's yeah. people for whom have a requirement for speed and certainty, <coughs> such that um, sometimes the amount of money they get is not as important as actually getting the property sold. Now, only 5% of sellers are going to be motivated, so we need to find those 5%. And we could find them through marketing, advertising, etc. Now, just because someone's motivated doesn't mean we should buy the property. Second rule, number two, is it's got to be an area of strong rental demand. Someone might be selling it cheap because they can't rent it out. Well, that's no good. You don't want to inherit their problem. Exactly. So you've got to make sure you can check it out on, on internet, on the demand, speak to local letting agents. There must be a good supply of tenants who are prepared to pay the fair market rent. So if one tenant moves on, you can quickly and easily replace them with another tenant. And of course, in a recent podcast, we were talking about the different tools that people can use themselves to test Absolutely. The demand in the market, you can the average put, rental in the market. Yes. So these are all within reach now they're with all, the, the technology. You know, with the internet, when I started investing back in 1995, the internet wasn't around and we had to, you know, we would go to an estate agent, we'd, <clears> we'd look at all the printed out yeah. details, we'd, we, we'd have to, we wanted to arrange an appointment, we'd have to go back into our house, we'd have to call on our landline phone, make the appointment, turn up at the allocated time. If you were late, you didn't have a mobile to call someone, right? So it was a very, very different society then. So in fact, there's so much information now. In, in a way, it's easier, but then also it's it's harder because there's almost too much information. Yeah, and people can get overwhelmed. And also, anybody can put a video up on YouTube, and it doesn't actually necessarily mean they know what they're talking about. So you've got to be careful where you get your information from as well. So just to recap, golden rule number one was buy from work and motivated sellers. Yeah, got that. Uh, and find an ethical solution to help them. Rule number two was. Buy in an area with strong rental demand. And we know you can test that, as you've talked about previously. Rule number three, which I've covered already, only buy for positive cash flow. What we mean by that is at the end of the month, we take the rent, you take off the mortgage, which is the biggest cost, the insurance, the maintenance, ideally the management fees, because you don't really want to be managing yourself. So factual lows in. At the end of that, you must make profit. Otherwise, it's not an investment. It's a speculation. And that resonates truly with the wealth building principles, which is 
you know, an asset is something that puts money in your bank account while you're asleep. So yes, indeed. We want to measure the increasing levels of asset income flowing. So we're 100% in agreement so far, yeah. Simon. And the thing about property is, you know, property isn't completely passive. Yeah. You know, a lot of people do start to manage it themselves. And that's very possible to, a couple of properties is, is not a lot of work. I got into what I call the landlord trap in that when I was managing, when I first started investing, I was managing because I, I didn't really want to pay an agent. I thought I'd do a better job. And as I always say, I, I quite like the novelty of meeting, connecting with the tenants. That third one, by the way, the novelty soon wears off, but, yeah. but still... Um, and but I realised that whilst I can manage a few properties as I got more and more I took more and more time managing and less time buying and you make the money when you're buying the properties so it's a brave step for a lot of people but actually if you can possibly um, if you can possibly go to the point where you have someone else managing for you it frees up your time so I am a property investor I don't consider myself a landlord I'm still responsible for the properties. I'm responsible for the tenants, but I have other people managing them for me. And what that means is I have my time to do this. I have my time to teach people. This is what I love to do, as you know. Well, I think the uh, the value there is you had the experience of what the management meant. Exactly. I think and you then, then appreciate it more. Exactly. If and someone I, does and it. I've had conversations with some of our members and they say, well, I don't want to manage anything. So, but you need the experience of yeah. understanding what it needs to happen exactly. in order to then work out how you want it to be managed mm. and then appreciate the extra value that it gives you. And yeah. in your case, if that's time to focus on your business and, and those sort of things, then that, that's perfect. So what's number yes. five? And number five is you need to have a cash buffer. So a little bit of money put aside yeah. because sometimes things happen that maybe aren't covered by insurance. You might have some tenants who, yeah. who disappear, it takes a while, or you have to evict them, it takes a bit of time to get them out and you've got to pay the costs of that. And maybe they, they don't look after the property. You've got to spend a little bit of money tidying up. And I see some landlords who, who don't have any spare cash. And it could be cash in a bank. It could be just a credit card facility. But it's some asset you can use to pay to fix any problems yeah. so that you can very quickly rent the property out again and thus get the rental income coming back in. And again, that's a principle we teach in wealth building, which is you know one of the essence of the, uh, the roof, which is being safe is having enough money in emergencies yes. just to take care of. Yes, yeah. the same thing in business and, and know, in property it, too. It, it happens, you know, uh, I'll be perfectly honest, in my business, I've had cash flow problems sometimes because you sometimes expand too quick. Or, and in property, the, yeah. the big problem I see in property is that some people have got property, but they don't because they want to get more. All the income coming in, they're, they're investing in the next property and they're, they're aggressively expanding. And, and the two problems that, A, they don't really get to enjoy all the work they're doing mm. uh, or the benefits of the work, but B, they sometimes don't have enough spare cash. So it, it is these five golden rules I put together when I was first writing Property Magic at the end of 2007. And by then I'd been investing 12 years and, and I made a huge number of mistakes. But in 2003, when I created Property Investors Network, I started teaching other people. And I noticed many people making very similar yeah. mistakes. And I thought there's got to be some, some guidelines or principles and thus came up with the golden rules. And I still think they're, they're absolutely valid today as well. So, okay, thanks for sharing the fundamentals. And obviously there's a lot more in Property Magic and I know you update it all the time. Mm. So, you know, if you're updating it now with uh, some strategy that might be just worth a few more minutes on, uh, that you think it would be just useful to expand just a little, 
you know, pick something of that, okay. that you think would be useful in today's environment. Right. So, so there are many, many investing strategies, um, and I wish there was just one strategy that might make my job so much easier. Yeah. But different strategies that will suit people depending on how much time they've got, how much money they've got, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sure. Um, but there's a general, and actually, it's not so much a strategy, but a tool yeah. that can be used that is particularly relevant right now, which I'll tell you about. Okay. And also, it actually works in conjunction with any other strategy. So if you want to, if you're doing houses and multiple operations, doing service accommodation, doing property flips, and property flips may not be the best thing to do in the current market, but whatever you're doing, you can use this tool. And the tool is called a purchase lease option. Now, that sounds a complicated piece of language now, Simon. Now, so let me really simplify. I will definitely right? simplify it for you. And actually, the name gives it away. So a purchase option is whereby you have the right to buy an asset at some time in the future at a price degree today. So let's say a property is worth 200,000, which is the average value in the UK, a bit more down here in London, obviously, but the UK average is 200,000. And you would enter into a contract with someone that you can buy that property for 200,000, but not actually give them the money now you get to buy it at some time in the future. It might be three, five years' time, but the price you pay is 500000 Now, 200000 oh, Sorry, beg your pardon, 200000 Yes. Um, so you, you agree the price today, and it's worth 200000 now, and it might be worth more in the future, but you still get to buy it for 200000 So Why would anybody agree to that? Well, you might. That's a great question, Kevin. And you need to always put your shoes... Stand in the shoes of the, the other person to understand why they might do something. So let's say someone's got a property and maybe they've inherited this property. And usually with an inherited property, it needs a bit of work doing to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they don't want this property. It's the other side of the country. They don't want to be an investor. They don't want the hassle of being a landlord, but they want to sell it. And, and they it, it's inherited. They don't really need the money. They're just going to put the money in the bank. Now, everyone knows right now, there's you know you get hardly any return on money in the bank. And so if they put that money in there, they took that, that put that 200,000 in the bank, you know, they might make 2,000 pounds a year if they're lucky. If they're lucky, yeah. If they're very lucky, right? Instead of doing that, you could say, well, I'll tell you what, how about if I was gonna give you, and I'm making these numbers up here, maybe 400 pounds a month, which would be 4,800 a year. Right. So two, two and a half times the amount they could get in the bank. Okay. Okay. And if I did that for five years, well, I'm giving them probably an extra 3,000 or so more than they'd get in the bank for five years, an extra 15,000. Right. So they're getting the 200,000, the full price, plus an extra 15,000. So that property is giving them 215,000. Well, now with that frame of reference, it makes a whole lot exactly. of sense. Exactly. Now, the other thing is, actually, it's better than that because realistically, in today's market, someone's not going to give them the full price, the 200,000. Yeah. People might want to buy it for 195, 190, maybe 180 if it's got a lot of work to do to it. Yeah. So we're actually giving them more than anyone else would get right now. And paying agent fees as well. Exactly. And they're getting a better return. So if they want to maximize the amount of money they're getting from this property, this is a way of doing it. Now, there are a couple of caveats here. The one caveat is this only works if they don't need the money. When someone's trying to sell a house, there are two groups of people. There's mm. the first group, which is the majority. They're selling a property because they want to access the equity in that property. Yeah. Maybe they want to pay down their own home. Maybe they want to invest in a new business, clear some debts, pay for their daughter's wedding, whatever it might be. Yeah. There's a second group of people who are selling because they don't need the money, 
but maybe they just don't want the property. They don't want the hassle. Yeah. They don't want the liability. They don't want the expense. Um, and in some cases, maybe there is no equity. Maybe the property is worth 200 and the mortgage is 198. Yeah. And they, they just don't want the property. And in so that this is case, golden rule number one. It is, yeah. So they're motivated. They don't want it. In that case, well, they, they're not doing it because the because there is no money, but they don't want the hassle. So we can step in. In that case, where there's a mortgage, we would actually pay their mortgage for them. So it stays in their name. Mm-hmm. They're still the owner. We pay the mortgage. We take on the maintenance, uh, the pay for everything. So they, they can walk away and forget about it. And then in the future, five years, three years time, we'll buy for the full market price. If they, were, if they had a mortgage of 198, um, they probably wouldn't find someone who'd pay them enough to cover the mortgage and the yeah. legal costs. So if they were to get out that property, they'd have to put five, 10,000 pounds of their own money in. So this sure. saves them digging into their own pocket. So the thing about a purchase lease option, um, and if people are into it, they may have heard about it. I always say to people, if people have, they think they know about it, if they haven't actually done a purchase lease option, they don't know enough about it because if they did know about it, they would absolutely be doing this. Okay. It doesn't fit every circumstance, but let me bring this around again to tell you why this is so relevant right now. Yeah. It's something that I've been doing. I think I did my first one in 2007 by mistake. Um, Best I, way I, to learn. Absolutely. Well, I, I agreed to buy this house from this gentleman uh, who was a motivated seller. Um, he had actually moved. It was actually a flat. He had moved out. Uh, he was in arrears. I cleared the arrears and I said I'd pay the mortgage until I could buy it. Um, now, unfortunately, it was a freehold flat. Now, freehold flats are very difficult or difficult to get mortgages on because of, well, who's looking after the roof, etc. Mm. So, um, and it was in Macclesfield. I didn't really want to buy a cash property in Macclesfield. It's not good to buy something in cash. So I had to sell it. So I had, the, I had the right to buy it. He couldn't sell it to anyone else. And I basically assigned it onto someone else. So I found, after a few months, a cash buyer who bought it at a higher price. And I walked out after my cost about three or 4,000 pounds. But from having made a mistake and committed to buy something that I then couldn't buy, through chance, my sister said, well, why don't you do this? And I, by educating myself, found a great solution that actually made money rather than losing money. And that lesson stood you in good stead for the future. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's so there are many different ways you can use this strategy process option. And the reason it's so important is because these landlords, I mentioned earlier that part of the oversupply is because landlords are starting to sell properties because mm-hmm. it's not worth them holding anymore. If a landlord's got a number of properties and they sell them all in the same year, they're going to pay a lot of capital gains tax. So capital gains tax is the difference between when you buy a property that's not your own home and you sell it, hopefully for more money, there's going to be a profit there. Yeah. You take out your buying and selling costs and things and any capital improvements you've made. But the profit you have to pay capital gains tax on. Now, currently, we each get an individual allowance each year of £11,500. So you can make £11,500 of capital gain and not pay any tax. If you're married, by the way, or if you're in a partnership, it's double that, it's £23,000. But that's not per property, that's per year. So if someone sells all their properties in one go, they've only got one allowance to use. Mm. Whereas actually, what would be sensible for that landlord is if they sold the properties over a number of years, each year they could get that capital gains allowance. So therefore they can reduce the amount of tax they pay. Now the problem is for a landlord who wants to retire, they might not want to wait until the five years or six years to the last and property still have sold, all the hassle. And still have all the hassle. So we can step in, we can control the properties, we can cover the cost, they can go and sit on their beach, we can have a planned schedule of when we buy those properties, we control them under option until that point. Mm. And so they're going to pay less tax, We've got potential capital growth and 
cash flow in the meantime. So it's a win-win for everyone involved. So I guess there are two aspects there, aren't there, really? One is the understanding, which is the educational piece within the Wheel of Wealth, which our Wealth Builder listeners will have heard many times before. Yes. And then secondly, it's how to find these motivated sellers. Yes. So indeed. I presume you know, there's a lot of education on yep. both of those matters within the whole of the sort of PIN educational... Yeah, absolutely. We, we have specific training on that particular strategy. And, and, you know, strategies come and go. This one is one that's been around for a long time, but it's just right now, probably for the next 12 to maybe 18 months, right. as these landlords looking to sell. You know, within within... Within 18 months, all the landlords that want to sell up early will have done something about it. Once we want to hold or long term, they'll be doing that. So that, as always, whenever you hear a strategy, it's always important to make sure it's relevant for the current market. And I'm a great believer in what I call speed of implementation. When you hear something, learn it, do your research, get out there and do it. Because sometimes, when I first wrote Property Magic back in back in the 2007, there was a great strategy where we were buying property literally no money down and I won't go into all of it now because it's yeah. probably too complex um, and I, I described step by step exactly how you buy property no money down and uh, there was enough in the book alone for people to go and do that and in fact I had uh, I had a lady bump into me a couple of years after I wrote you said Simon thank you very much I said Why, what do you mean I'd never met her before she said oh, I read your book first edition and I read your book and uh, I went out and uh, bought and flipped 10 properties uh, and, and my husband and I were able to give up work just from the book, it was it was that detailed. Mm. Now the problem was, and some people would have read that, but oh, that's brilliant! I'm going to do that someday. The problem was a couple of months after publication, that particular route of funding deals uh, dried up. Yeah, because of the credit crunch, we couldn't do it anymore. And and the rest of the book was still valid, but that particular chapter wasn't anymore. And so people who thought that I'll do that one day, you know. You've got to keep up to date. You, you've got yeah. to. You've got to. Um, that's why there are sixth sixth edition of the book now because the market keeps changing. And even if you are an experienced investor, know what you're doing. If you're doing now what you did five or ten years ago, you're probably not making the most of the current oh, opportunity. As you already mentioned there are a number of landlords who had previously bought properties didn't really pay any attention to Section Twenty Four. Yep. They get a tax bill. They suddenly wake up to that and go. Bloody hell, what happened there? Exactly. And even though it was well documented, yeah. but they were just switched off to it. And you'd so think a landlord would be, would their, their um, consciousness would pick these things up when they talked about it in the news and things, but they've obviously missed it for whatever reason. Yeah. Probably because they're not reading property magazines or they're not going to network meetings and not keeping up to date. Well, yeah, because they made their investment years ago. Yeah, and they think, well, I know it all now. I meet people sometimes who have been really successful for like last 5, 10, 15 years. They've got a number of points, but they've only had one strategy and they've just done it. And, and there's, there's merits to that, you know, get something, master it and then cookie cutter it. But they think because of that, they know everything. Okay. Whereas in fact, you know, I don't know at all. I've been doing this a very long time. So I encourage everyone to always be open-minded and, and be a lifelong learner. Well, I appreciate the humility of that as well, Simon. And that's why we resonate. So we keep coming back to that point of education. And, you know, you definitely I would speak loudly of your own integrity and, and what I've shared and learned from Thank you, you and, and vice versa, I hope. And uh, it would be great to um, give people a link to Property Magic, right? Yes. So uh, you can go and buy Property Magic on Amazon. 
Uh, there's the Kindle version. I quite like the physical version. And this year, yeah. for the sixth edition, uh, we've actually, for the very first time, brought out an audio version. A lot of people like to prefer listening to things. Right. Did you uh, did you voice over that yourself? Or? I voiced it myself. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. It was it was a painful experience <laughs> being stuck in a booth for two days, but I wanted to do it myself. Well, listen, thank you, Simon, so much for spending your time today. Thank and you. And I hope much. our listeners got a really good insight into why they should plant their tree today because yes. they couldn't do it years ago exactly and why that they should look at some new strategies to keep up to date thank you very much for asking me on the podcast cheers simon thank you well, it's been very interesting listening to you two gentlemen speaking today simon just before we let you go can you just tell us a little bit about the background of pin and the, the monthly meetings that are occurring? yeah so what i was able to replace my income doing it very much on my own but make through what i call trial and terror making lots of mistakes and uh, in about the year 2000, I attended a Tony Robbins event, Anthony Robbins, who's a, a I'm sure you know, peak performance American coach. And he kind of instilled in me the idea about community and learning from other people. And, uh, and I thought about it for, for a while. And then in 2003, by the time I'd, I left my job at Cadbury, thanks to my, uh, thanks to my income for my property, um, and actually it was quite a lonely journey. And all my friends are working, none of my family ever invested, so I thought, you know, there's got to be a smarter way. And I went online to see if I can find some sort of group for property investors, but there wasn't anything. Mm. So being a creator profile, I decided to start a group up. Um, and I called it Property Investors Network, just started in Birmingham initially where I was living, having gone to university and worked at Cadbury's there. Um, and then we started a London meeting and it started to grow. And I started to teach other people what I had learned. And then actually I realized that's what I'm passionate about. I love to teach people. Uh, and particularly when they go away and take action and come back and get great results, I get a real buzz from that. And then what happened was people who were coming to Birmingham and London said, hey, can we set up our own meetings? And so people who've done our training, done really well, they became a host. And we now have uh, 50 meetings around the country run by our hosts who are all successful investors. Um, and it's about uh, supporting people on their property show. We have people who are completely new, who are just thinking about property and people who are really experienced, maybe already financially independent. And you know, it's all about coming together and getting a, a boost of prop- property positivity when everyone out there might be saying, oh, I don't know if you do property. And that's what the general public think. But as we've just discussed, yeah. if you know what you're doing now is a great time to invest. You want to if you want to get advice and help, you want to listen to the people who've got the experience and not people who've just got an opinion about it. So you've got to be careful who you listen to. Um, if you want to find out about the meetings, then go to the uh, website which is a pin meeting, P-I-N meeting.co.uk. All the 50 meetings are listed there. They can pick on the relevant um, uh, meeting. They've got the dates, the location, all the, the details. And then it's 20 pounds to come along to a meeting. But as a thank you to you, we discussed this and a gift to all your podcast listeners. Um, if they go down to the, they click on the event they want, go down to the bottom of the page, where it says you normally pay for it, there's an option to, click on pay with a voucher code. So you go and enter your details. And if you use the voucher code Wealth Builders, and they put that in, what will happen, it will bypass the payment page and they'll be able to come to their first meeting, uh, save themselves 20 pounds as my gift to you uh, for coming on the podcast um, and come along and see what you think. And, and if you like it, hopefully you'll go back again. And um, it's 20 pounds to go along in future. If you don't like it, hey, well, at least you, you know that maybe property isn't the right thing for you. But go and check it out for yourself. And get that boost of positivity. Why get not? that boost of property positivity. Why yes, not? that's a very Indeed. kind offer. Thank you so much for that, Simon. And we'll definitely link to that in the show notes today. So once again, thank you. We have been live on location here today. So if you hear a few people in the back, 
background, then hey, we've uh, we've done our best. But thank you once again, gentlemen. Thank you. See ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build, and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership. <laughs>